Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. Many of you probably noticed that I'm not releasing episodes as often as I did previously. This isn't due to my lack of interest in producing more episodes. I really like making these for you and will continue to do so. My release schedule has slowed a bit due to having some active projects that I'm working on. Over the last two months, I put together a video course entitled Aikido-Based Self-Defense, which will be released very soon. I'm also starting on a new course project focused on the cane, or hanbo, for self-defense. There are several other courses I have in the planning stages as well. With all this going on, there just isn't enough time to maintain producing a new podcast episode every few days. A number of comments have come back that it was difficult to keep up with the podcast because the episodes were coming out so fast. As my schedule got busier, I felt having a bit more time between episodes would give you listeners a break, so perhaps it worked out best all the way around. Anyway, please support this podcast by liking, commenting, sharing, and subscribing. These help out a great deal and are free. Another way you can support this podcast is by way of a PayPal tip jar. You can leave a donation of any amount you like or set up a monthly donation just like Patreon or Subscribestar, only I don't make you pay for my content. I only invite you to contribute. There's a link in the description. I sincerely appreciate your interest and support. All over the martial arts world, there are a lot of great techniques. By great, I mean they are complex and intricate, and if you perform them correctly, they will work well. Long-time practitioners tend to get bored with simple and direct techniques and end up working almost exclusively on the more difficult and complicated maneuvers. When newer students come in, they don't see seniors practicing the simple and direct high percentage techniques, so they come to the understanding that their art is not about that. It's about complex and complicated techniques. A few generations of this and the effective aspects of the art are not its specialty anymore. If those aspects are there at all, they are not frequently practiced and are not appreciated for what they are. In today's episode, I'll be laying out the tangible things to look for with techniques from two perspectives. First, how to assess a technique's viability for self-defense when watching techniques shown whether through live or through video. Second, I will cover how to assess a technique's viability as you are working on it in the dojo with your partner. Let's cover watching others perform technique first. This is by far the most common of the two, as every practitioner has watched an Aikido demonstration. Even if you've not watched one online, you've certainly seen an instructor demonstrate technique as part of teaching a class or a seminar. As I get into this, let me break down what you're looking at. One major thing which must be well understood, that demonstrations are isolated performances designed to highlight a particular technique. In order to do this, the attacker must stick not only to a specific attack, but a particular way to execute that attack for the demonstration to be clear to the audience. This requires a choreography of sorts. It includes a certain amount of telegraphing, which is signaling the nage exactly when the attack is coming. This could be a body movement or starting the attack well out of range and keeping an even pace of approach, which makes timing the response easier. This method also requires two other aspects. No feints, fakes, or misdirections. And no alterations to the attack once it has been initiated. The first thing you should be looking for when you watch a technique performance is whether the attacker is abiding by these criteria. If you see them, you know you are watching a crafted demonstration. Take note here, I'm not criticizing or disparaging the practice of demonstrations. They are necessary for showing techniques to students. Showing technique purely through active sparring is an unclear, inefficient, time-consuming, and confusing way to transmit technique to students. Every martial art and martial sport uses demonstrations to convey technique, 
there's absolutely nothing wrong with using it as a training tool. There are abundant arguments about demonstrations not being real enough, with the most common criticism being that the technique would not work in live conditions. Sometimes this is true, and other times not. So how can you tell? Before I answer that, I'm compelled to mention that when people argue that a technique is completely worthless because it looks ridiculous in demonstration, it often reflects their lack of exposure to live sparring or fighting. Fighting is pure chaos, and anything, even the weirdest, most unlikely things, can and do happen. You cannot discount any technique as being entirely worthless. Anyone with experience will instead advise, there are techniques which are highly specialized and, while the circumstances of their use might not be common, you cannot say that such a technique would absolutely never be effective. In some particular circumstance, that complicated technique might be exactly what fits the extremely rare situation you find yourself in. So back to the question. How can you tell whether a demonstrated technique would have a good chance of working in a live fight situation? The first indicator to look for is, is the movement and entry simple and direct, and efficient with its motion? To describe that in further specific detail, watch the demonstration to see how much of a gap there is in the demonstrator, or nage, starting his motion after the attacker, uke, starts his. This is a major reason why demonstration attacks are so well telegraphed, to give nage a chance to start his response early enough. In sparring or a real fight, this might happen, but it likely won't. If the goal is to succeed with your attack, you don't want to give Nage much of a chance to identify what he is about to be hit with. All warfare is deception, and demonstrations have this element removed. As I said before, there's a good reason to remove it, but training must include it if any technique is going to be trained to be viable for self-defense. I'll get into more of that when I talk about training in the dojo. Another aspect I want to cover when it comes to watching demonstrations. That is, Uke's halting his motion to give Nage time to either perform technique or describe what they are doing. Just as with telegraphing, this is a very helpful tool for teaching. Uke might pause for the instructor to describe a position, movement, structure, or make some other important points to students. The value of that is pretty obvious. Even having Uke pause to give new students an easier time to think and process as they are learning technique is valuable. Overwhelming a student's brain is ineffective training. The goal should be to remove these pauses as a student becomes more comfortable with the technique. Continuous motion from beginning to end of an attack should happen with even new students within a class. It should not take months or years to get to that point. If you ingrain a habit of getting used to ukes who pause or stop all their movement to give nage an easy time, that is all students will be able to perform. Once uke starts providing active and creative attacking, those students will start to fail and get frustrated because they are being forced to perform outside the normal parameters of their training. The last aspect I want to cover is the subtlest of them, and it's the easiest to overlook. That is, when Uke passes on all further opportunities to attack as the technique is being demonstrated. Demonstrations of techniques which involve turning in front of or beside Uke are the easiest ones to spot an Uke who has an opportunity to adjust and add a further attack. In such cases, the attack is usually a body lock, headlock, or choke. It could be a simple punch to the head or body as well. Remember, within striking distance, a punch is extremely fast. If your head is open and your hands aren't up, chances are you won't be able to stop a punch from hitting you. One thing to look for in demonstrations is that Nage's hands are down even when Uke gets close to or within striking distance. 
This is a horrible habit, and practicing it too much will not serve in a self-defense situation. The argument for doing this is that training with your hands down is more difficult to succeed with, and you might get caught with your hands down. Both of these are true, but remember that training is creating a subconscious reflex. Be very careful what you are creating with your training. Being confident in a dojo where you are in safe conditions is different than being falsely confident in using those same rules in an unsafe environment. A demonstration lacks the creative attacking which will happen in an assault. A demonstration of good technique includes movement and positioning which makes secondary attacks difficult or impossible. This can be easy to spot or very difficult. It takes an experienced eye to tell the difference sometimes. If you spot Nage with clear vulnerabilities to secondary attacks, then it's pretty clear that you are watching choreographed demonstrations which may lack practical effectiveness. This is very common in Aikido. The reason is that one can get stuck in demonstration mode where holes in technique are never exposed due to lack of pressure testing. It doesn't take training partners trying to hurt each other to point these vulnerabilities out either. Subtle differences in positioning, footwork, and covers can mean the difference between a self-defense viable technique and utter failure by a simple punch to the face or headlock during a technique. That leads me to spotting vulnerabilities in your own training. But before I get to that, I want to address a popular aspect of martial arts demonstrations. That is, the movies. Martial arts in the entertainment world is probably the most visually compelling. That's what the magic world of entertainment is. They make the unreal seem plausible. Choreography is used to create extremely dramatic moments which move people. Stunning visuals create emotional responses. Aikido is very well suited to stunning visuals because flipping someone over is extremely dramatic. It's a big movement which is easy for the eye to see, particularly by people who aren't familiar with martial arts. Ever notice the most prominent martial arts sequences are not about small and subtle movements, but big and dramatic ones? Guess which one of these will be more effective in a real fight, where you want to end it quickly and efficiently, with the least motion possible? When you don't want to telegraph, you probably don't have much room to maneuver, and aren't dealing with a cooperative attacker, what that fight looks like is far different than what we see on the screen. Every time I see entertainment violence, I think, man, I wish real fighting was like that, but it isn't. What you are seeing is extraordinarily well-crafted choreography, often using techniques which are real and valid, but put together in a way to create dramatic visual effect. Be careful about crafting your training to make your art visually appealing. Doing this will ruin its function. That sounds like a strong statement, but it's true. Once you start programming your attackers the way you have to in order to make your techniques look good, you are creating a false set of conditions which are far different than they will be in a real assault. These are different skills to build, and making your job easier by making your uke easily read and predictable does no service to you. That is, unless you're an action actor or a stuntman. It's much like a musician who can play a song he practiced from beginning to end, but cannot improvise. Such skills are only one-dimensional. Watching demonstrations is where we get exposed to techniques and add them to our training list. The next step is to take them on the mat and work on them ourselves. When we do this, we start by going through them as demonstrated. Taking this approach makes it clearer and easier to learn the fundamentals. The entry, footwork, positioning, etc. are easier when we move slower without other variables to worry about. Those variables being difficult to see attacks, other potential attacks, or an adaptive uke who will change and respond to your movements. You should definitely start here to get the basics of a technique down, 
and get fairly proficient with it. As you do, have your uke remove the big telegraphs. Have him start his attacks closer. Have him surprise you with which side he attacks with. Have him start off to your sides instead of directly in front of you. These can all be done at slower speeds and will show you a great deal about how your responses must be adjusted to succeed. You will find out some techniques aren't well suited to these additional variables. You will find some which you like because they deal with these unknown factors without leaving you vulnerable. To find vulnerabilities all the way through technique, tell Uke to take any opportunity he feels he could attack you as you do your technique. He doesn't need to hurt you, but he should always be looking for them and point them out to you. A good Uke will have this ability. One who has been programmed to be cooperative will not. To excel at Aikido, your Uke skills play a greater role than your Nage skills. I'm not talking about learning how to be a floppy Uke who is easy to throw. Sure, Ukes like that are fun to throw around because they are so easy. A good Uke knows how to provide just the right amount of challenge for the Nage's level of skill. Uke is the teacher. I've found that tuning my Aikido to self-defense, a few factors are crucial. First, success is all about making that correct first response. The principle of Shoto Osezu, or control the first move, is critical. This means staying aware and spotting not only where, but when you need to move. Ideally, you will move earlier during the attack rather than later. Although this is the ideal, reality can work differently. You might get surprised and respond later than you would like. You might need to adjust in such a circumstance. I've found it best to avoid focusing your training on being late in your response. The reason is that you won't be prepared to intercept an attack when the opportunity presents itself. Definitely train to respond if you are late, but make sure that you are ready to take advantage when the momentary opportunity presents itself. As I describe it, it sounds like a choice that you can make pretty easily. In reality, you have to be trained to respond instantly, before you have a chance to even think about it. We cannot underestimate the diligent training necessary to ingrain this kind of response. When I was competing, I had developed this to the point where if I sat still and my mind visualized an attack, my body would often start the motion of responding before I realized it. It was rather annoying because it often happened as I would drift off to sleep, and I would end up doing a rather explosive twitch which would wake me back up. The instant reaction side of my brain was highly trained to respond without conscious thought. This was very useful in competition fighting, but not so much for being relaxed and falling asleep. The second factor which is crucial to Aikido training tuned to self-defense is to prepare yourself for the unexpected. Well-formed choreography won't do this. The narrower the path of the choreography you practice, the less improvisation you will be able to do. It's easy to relax into the choreography and find it fun. I admit, it is fun to have a relatively easy time of practicing Aikido. You can turn the brain off and just cruise. That's not pushing yourself or challenging yourself very well, though. Kind of like a weightlifter who sticks with five-pound dumbbells. He might be having a great time in the gym, but he's not expanding his capabilities in any notable way. I've seen many Aikido practitioners who very clearly enjoy easy and predictable training, and view straying out of their comfort zone either not fun or outright terrifying. Such an attitude reflects how far they are away from active training. Done correctly, this kind of training is fun and incredibly empowering. It's an absolute joy to feel and see yourself grow and become more capable and competent. True confidence in dealing with the most cunning attacks and determined attackers is something which is hard to describe. Passing that along to students is an incredible experience, 
as they enjoy the experience of seeing what they are truly capable of. This process takes time, just like weightlifting, but when you build yourself to lift heavy weights, the sense of accomplishment is amazing, far greater than the guy who sticks with the five pounders can imagine. The third factor for making your Aikido well-suited for self-defense is to have as few movements as possible to execute it. Every step or movement required to perform a technique is an opportunity for something to go wrong. You make a mistake, or your attacker can do something unexpected which results in your failure. When practicing, we often train in techniques which require a lot of steps or intricate setups. Those things are not bad to practice exactly, but we must realize that we should not be taking the long way to finishing an attack against us. We should also not be playing with our food. In the dojo, the environment is safe enough to allow us to do this. In real life, we don't have that luxury, and taking too long, even a few seconds, can be the difference between success and failure. I'm not saying that no long techniques should ever be practiced, but be careful when practicing them. Don't let them overwhelm your practice time. And when you do work on them, make sure everyone understands how fiddly these things can be. To really drive that lesson home, tell Ukes not to play along and creatively attack or even abandon an attack that isn't working or go for another one at any time through Nage's technique. This is a very quick and effective lesson in how too much playing around will go in a self-defense situation. We all have our own interests, and I do applaud anyone who trains Aikido and has found enjoyment in it. I'm profoundly sad for those practitioners who are capable of far more, but who are not making progress towards achieving their potential because their training is not sponsoring meaningful growth. Unfortunately, it's not just they, the individuals, who are suffering from these limitations. The entire art of Aikido is. Training focused purely on choreography has largely overwhelmed the Aikido world, and I think this has been a major contributor to the poor reputation Aikido has nowadays. This is a problem created entirely from within the Aikido community, which has spread outside of it. Getting back to the subject, there's one last aspect of training which bears addressing. That is, what to focus on for your own training. This is something which is very compelling, but I feel it's a bad trap to fall into. That is, wanting to make your Aikido showy and dramatic. As I said earlier, movie martial arts are very impressive. In the pursuit of making Aikido impressive, often the focus will be on big throws and hard impacts for Uke. This looks great on screen. The ingredients needed to make this kind of display are different than the ones in a real fight. Keep that in mind when choosing your own approach. Techniques in real fights tend to look not visually stunning or impressive, but they tend to work. No technique is guaranteed to work, but the people who deal with real-world violence for a profession stick with the simple and direct. They don't do anything fancy, elaborate, or dramatic. This is a good indicator of just how different real-world and Hollywood violence is. This is something well worth reflecting on. There's a lot more detail to this subject, but there's plenty here to contemplate. I sincerely hope that you're getting all that you want from your Aikido training. What do you think? Please share your ideas in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Marshall side and post a comment. The Spirit Aikido online program now has more than 90 videos in the program, with new ones added every few days. Some of the most recent videos include a series on the use of the cane for self-defense, as well as some useful entries against a haymaker punch from pugilism, which set up a sayunage really well. There's a link in the description section. I invite you to check it out. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.